Pastor Katie. As a reminder, we do have Monday, Thursday coming up, and Good Friday, and Thursday we'll end together at the table. Friday we'll end together with the interpretive worship choir and a very uh, somber type of moment with, with darkness and, and quiet. But in case you can't make it to either of those uh, this morning, I did want us to, to spend some time at the cross. We've been throughout the season of Lent talking about giving up bad things for Lent, and uh, this week's bad thing is self-centeredness, self-centeredness. So we're going to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Uh, this scripture is uh, often regarded as the Christ hymn, the Christ hymn, and uh, it's believed that the Apostle Paul didn't actually write the Christ hymn, that it was something that was already very common in Christian community. And uh, Paul, by adding it into this letter to the Philippians, he's just calling them all to remember that when they sing it, they are singing it with him and with every other Christian in every other place. And so today, as we hear these words, we join the Apostle Paul and the, the church in Philippi and Christians everywhere, past, present, and future, in singing this ancient hymn, the Christ hymn. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, we pray that whatever it is that you would want us to hear today, we hear it with clarity. We pray, God, that we don't leave the same way that we came, that we encounter you through the songs, through the prayers, and through the preaching. And as a result, we cannot help but to be transformed. We pray that in this moment, through this proclamation, that your preacher be nothing more than just a vessel, an instrument of your grace. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Several years ago, I attended a uh, memorial service for a colleague in ministry who had died the previous week from heart failure. His heart literally just gave out. And there at the memorial service at one point, the grieving widow of the preacher, a preacher in her own right, she stood up to speak. And in talking about the ways in which her late husband was Christ-like, 
she referenced the Christ hymn from Philippians 2. And in preaching as a grieving widow here at her husband's funeral, she talks about him in this way. She says, he emptied himself. Do you hear me? He emptied himself. He gave and he gave and he gave until there was nothing left of him to give. You hear me, she said? My husband, he emptied himself. I thought, what a, what, what a great testimony. And it was true. It was true. And how Christ-like, I thought. How countercultural. It really is strange how oftentimes Christ-like and countercultural go hand in hand. You see, the predominant ideal that we encounter more times than not in our world is that we should not give and give and give until there is nothing left to give. But instead, we should take and take and take until there is nothing left to take. We are led to believe that there is only so much out there to be had. And because of such scarcity, we need to make sure that we go and we get ours. We need to look out for number one. After all, don't you know, the world revolves around me. That's what we're led to believe. And it's not all the marketing people and the consumer-driven executives. It's, it's not all their fault that, that we think this way. For some of us, it goes way, way, way further back uh, than when we were able to buy goods. It's deeper than that for some of us. For some of us, it's because of our mama or our daddy or our grandparents. You see, as little tykes, the people who loved us the most out of a deep love for us, they would tell us that we are the most important thing in the world. And some of us really latched on to that. Some of us still haven't let it go. <laughs> as far as those people who loved us when we were little, as far as they are concerned, we hung the stars and the sun and the moon. We were told that we were the apple of their eye. And therefore, it is no wonder that as many of us age, we maintain a don't you know who I think I am kind of mentality and approach to life. It's all about me. Don't you know? Mama said, my mama said I am the most important thing in the world. Well, the problem is that a lot of other people's mama was telling them the exact same thing. So then you mix in a marketing culture where you, are, uh, where you are promoted to get yours at any cost. And what ends up happening is self-centeredness runs amok. Mine bumps up against yours and yours bumps up against mine. And it's all poison for the individual and the collective soul. It's important to note here that there is a difference between self-centeredness and self-righteousness. Uh, 
and the same for selfishness. Self-righteousness is as it sounds. I am always right. You are only right when you agree with me. Sound familiar? Selfishness is different. Selfishness says, all of this abundance is mine. All these toys are mine, and you cannot play with them. Selfishness is a lot like self-centeredness in in that I better get mine. Um, I better get mine, and and you can't have it. But the motives are are slightly different. Self-centeredness goes deeper because self-centeredness says, I better get mine, not because I want it, but because I deserve it, because I am me. I'm more important. Unlike selfishness, it's not so much about greed. It's more about identity. Self-centeredness is like it sounds. I believe that I am the center of all that is. If self-centeredness were an animal, it would be a cat. Feed me. Pet me. But only when I want to be petted. Clean up after me. Feed me again. And do not ever expect anything in return. This could easily be one of those sermons where you say, well, sure am glad he's not talking about me this week. If that is you at this moment, I want you to pay close attention to who it is that is telling you that you are glad that you are not the one being talked about this week. Let let that one sit for a moment. Maybe mama was right, and indeed, it is all about you. Howard Thurman framed the problem of self-centeredness in this way. He asked the question, are you a reservoir or are you a swamp? Are you a reservoir or a swamp? The distinction between the two is literal. A reservoir, as you probably know, has both an inflow of water and an outflow of water. There is at least one source of water, in some cases, many sources of water that, that, that feed the reservoir. They flow into it. Likewise, there's at least one channel that flows out of the reservoir, right? There's an outflow and an inflow. The reservoir is a large body of water that holds the water But although unseen in many places, there is a constant flow of in and out. A swamp has no outlet. Swamps only have inlets. Water flows into it, but not out of it. So what happens in such an arrangement? The water rots. Things die. It smells. The water is alive. 
Indeed, there is life in the swamp, but it is stale. It's, it's stagnant. Few things thrive in a swamp. And most of the things that do thrive in a swamp, no other living thing really wants much to do with them. So everyone who lives takes on the characteristics of either a reservoir or a swamp. So which one are you? Are you a reservoir? Is the amount of good that you are bringing in equal to or at least in good relation to the amount of good that is flowing out of you? Are your inlet and your outlet both in good working order so that you stay full and so that you're able to bless others by helping them to stay full? Are you a reservoir? Or are you a swamp reaching for more and hoarding all that comes your way? Is everything around you constantly in a state of decay? Does everything around you seem as if it's always rotting? Do you have an outlet? Do you have a healthy flow in your life of in and out? You know, self-centeredness is evidenced by the lack of outflow and the abundance of decay like a swamp. So I want to call us today in this, this last Sunday during the season of Lent, I want to call us to repent. To repent from our self-centered ways. I want to call us to seek to become less self-centered and more Christ-centered. More Christ-centered or more cross-centered. So what do I mean by saying repent from self-centeredness and become more Christ-centered or more cross-centered? Well, I mean to create an outflow where there is not one or to widen the outflow so that the bad in us can also be drained away. See, we want our outflow to, to, to be good, to be blessing unto others, right? Because all the good's coming into us. The inflow's good, and we want that to flow out. But for all of that good to flow out, all the bad needs to be drained away as well. So that's what I mean, creating an outflow where not only good can come from us, but bad can go out as well as the good continues to pour in. It's about making room for the things that we need to be emptied of to exit so that the loving abundance of God may flow more freely in and through us. It's about creating a channel in which the good of God that flows through us and the bad parts of us that need to exit can leave in loving and sacrificial ways. It's about providing a channel for the overflow, the overflow of God's grace. It's about providing, it's about providing a, a route <laughs> for the goodness of God to flow through us 
so that we go from being simply filled to overflowing. It is about emptying ourselves. Do you hear me? Emptying ourselves. Emptying ourselves so that we may be filled and overflowing with the grace of God. Emptying ourselves so that we may be filled with the love of Christ. Emptying ourselves so that we may be more like Christ. Christ Jesus, who though in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself. Do you hear me? He emptied himself. He gave and he gave and he gave until his body had nothing left to give. He emptied himself. And there on that cross, he cried, it is finished. From the cross, from the place of his death, he cried, it is finished. And he emptied himself. so that we may be filled and so that we may be overflowing. And since those so that's exist, it is finished, but it's not over. Jesus Christ, the center of all that ever is and the center of all that will ever be, has made us the not over. It is finished, but it's not over. Empty yourself so that you may overflow. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's people say, Amen.